0: Um, This is war. Uh, For those of you who are visiting with us, we've been on a journey. We've been talking about prayer, 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 prayer. And that if we're going to engage in this battle of prayer, you'd better have your armor on. You'd better be prepared. You'd better be ready for the onslaught of the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, We are going down the different pieces of armor to make sure that we are ready. Last week we uh, focused on this passage right here, verse 15 of Ephesians 6. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Last week we began uh, looking at that passage and uh, we looked at what does it mean to shod your feet. Well, I, we don't use those terms anymore. What does it mean to shod your feet? Shod just simply means to put on shoes, to put a covering on your feet. And to. so we are told here that we need to have our feet prepared with the gospel, good news of what? Gospel of peace. We said last week that there are two forms of peace. There is the peace with God. That's where we started last week. And this peace only takes place when one accepts the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Until one gives their life completely and wholly to Jesus The more one's life will just be out of kilter, will be in disarray, will be in strife, will be in anguish, will have anxiety and unrest. There will be no real peace. Until one accepts Jesus as their personal Savior, that's when they have peace with God. Uh, we're reminded in Isaiah 9, verses 2 and verses 6 that into a dark world Jesus came. You know what's interesting? Uh, I, I read this this morning, so just just follow me here. Um, Isaiah talks about how in a dark world, light came into the world. And then verse 6 tells us that that light, for unto us a child is born. And it says that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace. He is that light that has come into the world. Well, I got to thinking about something, and I went back to Genesis 1. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read this, and it's interesting. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and was void. That's the way our life is before Jesus Christ. Amen? It is void. It is without form. There's just no substance to it. It's meaningless. It's just, you know, people are wandering here and there to try and find their purpose in, in life, and they're looking here and they're looking there and trying to come up with their own reason for living. It's void. There's no no real purpose. But look what it says. It says, was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. That's like the darkness in our life before Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And listen to this. And God said, Let there be light. And there was Light. If you look at Isaiah 9, it says that Jesus was the light that has come into the world. We just sang about it. The light of the world. Jesus, Messiah says that a great light was born into this dark world. Last week we read Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. We're talking about peace. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. We read in Romans 5 One says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we accept Christ as our Savior, says we have peace with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. One will find peace with God when they find Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Once someone has peace with God they can then take that peace with them wherever they go. Which leads us to the second kind of peace, the peace of God. You know, there's a difference. We talked about this last week. There's a difference. The peace with God is what you experience when you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. But the peace of God is what you take with you throughout life. What do I mean when I say this? Look, if you've been in the way for very long... You know how the difficulties and the test of life can threaten and can rob you of that peace. The peace of Jesus is not just supposed to be a one-time thing. But we're supposed to carry it until the day that Christ comes back or until the day that Christ calls us home. Thus the analogy of shoes. Shoes take us everywhere that we go. And so everywhere we go, no matter what the situation is in life, we should be wearing the shoes of peace. We should have the peace of God with us. However, to have the peace of God and then to keep this peace will require great determination and will require great faith. As Paul lists these different pieces of armor, uh, I can just imagine very well he could have been referring to something that was very familiar to him at the time. He was probably referring to the garb of a Roman soldier because they were all around and they dominated. It was the Roman Empire and, and they were used to seeing Roman soldiers and what the Roman soldiers were Wearing and one of the things that he may have been picking up on or thinking of whenever this image came to him and uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit and by God, he said, "Tell them to put on the shoes, shod their feet." Could have very well been what he saw with the Roman soldiers. You see, the Roman soldiers' shoes had these spikes all over the bottom of their sandals. It was similar to a football cleat or similar to a baseball player's cleat, spikes. This greatly helped the soldier dig into the earth and hold his ground as he did battle. Can you see the analogy with you and I here today? We all know that if you do not have a firm grasp, a firm footing, especially during a fight, you have no chance of winning. We see this in various scriptures. In our passage scripture, Ephesians 6 says, Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Galatians 5 says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We're told in Philippians, therefore, my beloved, and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. Sometimes when life gets crazy and we're tempted to lose our peace, we need to get a grip. (laughs) We need to get a grip. We need to have shoes of peace that will grip and that will hold us steady, which leads me to really what I want to talk to you about this morning. God recently reminded me of this in a way that has had a profound impact on my life. It's it's interesting. Um, When God puts a message on my heart, you know, a lot of times I'm thinking maybe there's someone out there that really needs this, not realizing how desperately some of the messages I need are my life. Maybe it's just for me. Maybe it's just a reminder to you, but maybe it's having an impact on my life. I hope it's more than just me. But God reminded me of something that I just want to spend the majority of the time on. When life hands you its worst, how do we maintain that peace of God? Think about that. When life hands you its worst, how do you maintain that peace of God? How do you maintain the peace of God when you get called into the office and you're handed a pink slip? When a spouse says they no longer love you? How do you maintain the peace of God when your wayward child continues to break your heart? When you receive a call that there's been an accident? Or when the doctor tells you that there are complications in the womb and you have some decisions to make? Or, has, or has, as has been the case in our family, how do you maintain the peace of God when the doctor looks at you and says your cancer is back? That's life, isn't it, folks? This is just getting down to life where we live. When you experience something that rocks you to your core, where does your peace come from? I firmly believe with all of my heart that our peace is directly linked with where our joy and where our contentment lies buried. When we settle this issue, church, in our hearts, when we get this spiritual truth, no one person or no one thing, praise the Lord, can take our peace away, away, amen? Can't take it away. I'm not saying that we're no longer going to be people of emotions. Uh, There will no longer be times to where we won't anguish or have sorrow or have pain. But what I'm talking about is even during those rough, tough times, we can possess a peace, a joy, and a contentment through it all. And I guarantee you that you will need this peace that I'm talking about at some point in time in your life. This is the peace of God. We talked about this several weeks ago, I don't know how long it's been now, but those of you who were in our war room study, this might sound a little familiar to you. But I want you to turn here, it's going to be on your screen, but Philippians chapter 4. You may want to mark this, you may want to take some notes in your Bible, I don't know. But Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 11. Verse 11. Let me get there myself. mm mm-mm. Philippians 4, starting with verse 11, just the first three verses. And on the screen, it will be there. Paul said, and I believe I have put on the screen the New Living Translation version of this passage. Paul said, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I want us to focus on that word content. Paul said, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. The Greek word for content is artakos. Artakos. And get this. It means that uh, its meaning is a, is, is a powerful, gives a powerful insight to us. It means that one who is strong enough to need no aid or support, sufficient Independent of external circumstances, contented with one's lot. Now, it's not talking about being void of God. You just go off and be rogue and do your own thing. No, what it means to be content is that you can be strong enough to where you don't need the aid or support sufficient. You're independent of external circumstances. You're content with your lot. Hmm. Contentment is an illusion in America today, is it not? In the American culture, it's an illusion. The drive for more of everything in every area of life that our society has created. Nothing is ever enough. More money, more status, more education, more busyness. Just more, more, more. Every time that I counsel a couple getting ready to be married, I make sure I make this point. But too many couples today go into marriages thinking that the other one is going to meet every single one of their needs. That the other person is is going to provide for them in every single possible way only to be disappointed. (laughs) And oftentimes leading to divorce. I always make it a point to say, look. He is never going to be able to fulfill every desire that you have. And she is never going to be able to meet every single need that you have. So I ask you this morning, where have you attempted to find contentment outside of Jesus? Has it left you disappointed? There's another verse in Hebrews chapter 13. 13 verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content, there's the word, with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look, Paul just told us in Philippians that he had learned the secret to living. And now the writer of Hebrews just gave you and I the secret to living a life of peace and joy. What is it? Don't make people or things in this life the most important thing in your life. Somebody say amen to that. Don't do it. Don't put them first because people and things will fail us, disappoint us, and sometimes they will leave us. Might not always be around. Instead, let Jesus be your source of joy and contempt. Let Him be your source of joy and life, for He said He would never leave us nor forsake us. Only He can save. We just sang, or we were going to sing it, Let Me See Jesus Only. I was led not to do that. But at the end of that, it says, Only He can satisfy. Only He can do it. Only He can satisfy. Folks, if you can get what I'm talking about, you'll always have access to that peace of God. just, Just stop for a second. I think that came out sounding just like something that a preacher says. Think about that. If you can get what we're talking about, if you can get what God is trying to communicate through these feeble lips in my mind, the peace of God. Our world has no peace. We're living in a world that is void, and dark, and formless, has no peace. What took place, what continues to take place in our country is darkness. But even in your difficult circumstances, you will always have access to peace. Isn't that not what you want? Isn't that not what we all long for every night, to lay our head on our pillows and have peace? Even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of not knowing what the future holds. Praise God. We can have peace at all times. Amen, Rudy. He's lifting, he's raising his hand back there. The peace of God. Mm. If you and I keep Jesus on the throne of our heart, you'll have a joy and a contentment that is unshakable. You can walk in shoes with the dual purposes of peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. Jesus said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I have to tell you, I had a, I had a moment yesterday. Um, <laughs> we were in Columbus over the weekend. We, we needed to get away. It was Stephanie's birthday on Friday. And uh, so we we were able to get away for a day, and um, um, my my son was was in foot locker. He as I told you a couple or last week, he he has a thing for shoes, okay uh, you know, and, and I know he's not the only one that has a thing for shoes. Some of you have a thing for shoes as well. And uh, so he was in there when we're over there by the foot locker, he always wants to look at the shoes. And we were in the back of the store and they had, the, the majority of them are the basketball players, you know, LeBron and, and Katie and, and uh, Kyrie Irving and all those guys and, and uh, we were back there and I saw a bunch of signs talking about the king. LeBron James, the king. Everywhere, and it was almost blasphemous. After, if we think about it, some of the comments they were making about him. Of course, you know they have no regard for where God, you know who God is and who the ultimate King. But um, I got to thinking, and I just leaned up against the wall, and I had a moment. I thought, He's not the King. I know the King. There is only one King, and His name is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, and, and, and His presence just flooded over me there in the footlocker. You know, we can have God moments no matter where we're at. Huh? At, the, at the grocery store or at the gas station or no matter where we're at, we can have a God moment. And, and not only did I realize uh, that He is the King, uh, LeBron's not the King, there is only one King. I know Him. I have a relationship with Him. And the peace of God. It's been a rough week been a rough week. Just our time. Nothing special about us. It's just our week. And, and the things that the family is now enduring has been tempting to rob us of that peace of God. And there in the middle of Foot Locker, the peace of God just rained down on me. And I experienced that peace in a way. Isn't that wonderful? We can have that. <laughs> peace of God. In the movie, The War Room, some of you may remember Tony and Elizabeth's marriage was on the rocks. Tony was living a lie. He was practically cheating on his wife. But Elizabeth wasn't exactly helping matters either with her life. And Uh, you may recall that she was living a compromised, lukewarm life herself. So what happened? If you saw the movie, which I think the majority of you have, what happened here? Elizabeth had to first repair her relationship with the king. She dedicated or rededicated her life to Jesus Christ. She put him First, she put God in His rightful place. She put God on the throne of her heart. And when she did, she began to experience, no, she experienced the first thing we talked about, she experienced peace with God. But it was then that she began to realize where her real peace and joy came from. And that's when things in her life began to change. I want to show a video clip from that movie right now. And I want you to I want you to pick up on um, the very last part. This is a powerful part, It's probably my favorite part of this movie. Uh, this is the part that just makes me want to get up and just go yeah. Um, but at the end of this scene, pay attention. It's whenever she walks outside and she is declaring truth. Uh, uh, she is defeating the enemy, and she walks back in, and then she comes back out. And listen, pay attention to that. But this is a powerful point. In the midst of her blackest moment in the midst of her darkest moment, this is what the peace of God can do in our hearts. We're going to flip things there and let's try and get this, shown Go ahead.
1: Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm not as judge. You are. But I'm asking You, please, Please, don't let him do this.
0: say amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Listen, church, my peace and my joy, just echoing what she said, it cannot come from being a husband. It cannot come from being a father. It cannot come from being a pastor. It cannot come from being a son. It cannot come from anything other than Jesus Christ. Anything other than Jesus Christ. My purpose, my joy, my peace, my contentment cannot come from anything that I own. No earthly possessions, no other relationship cannot come from worldly possessions. My peace and my joy can only come from my Lord and Savior and my position with who I am as a child of the King and the family of God. It's only in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. And when we get that, we can have the peace of God no matter where we go. The peace of God. Look, when Tony finally made peace with God later in the movie, he knew he had to make things right with his wife. You'll probably remember this part of the movie as well. He came to her and said, "Can we talk?" And he apologized. And but but in his uh, uh, reconciliation, he he said, "I don't understand. You know why? You know uh, why haven't you left me? Because you know what I've almost done." She had proof of that. And he said, "You know." What kind of man I've become, why haven't you left? Or why are you even treating me with such love? And you remember this line that she said. She said back to him, I've learned that my contentment cannot come from you. Tony, I love you, but I am his before I am yours. And because I love Jesus, I'm staying right here. You see, church, that's the kind of experience that you and I need to have if we're going to make it through the rough times of life. Some of you may uh, know this word, shalom. Shalom, often, it's a Hebrew word, often associated with the nation of Israel. It, it means peace be unto you. Many times they'll say uh, a shalom meaning peace be unto Israel. But, I looked into this word, and, and there's a deeper, deeper meaning to it, obviously, we know that the nation of Israel is a turbulent nation and many wars and just so much death over the years and, and we you know just to have peace for israel and But this does not necessarily mean an absence of chaos or just just a complete rest, but what that word means it denotes a presence of an overall, deeply entrenched sense of harmony, health, and wholeness in the midst of chaos. That's what shalom means. That in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our difficult time, in the midst of seeing family members go through really really hard things, there can be a shalom, there can be a peace in the midst of it all. Church, this is it. This is it. This is what I'm trying to get across today. Regardless of what has happened in your lives, we can have a peace, we can have a calm, we can have a harmony of our soul. When disappointment and even anguish takes place, you can still testify to a spirit-infused confidence, to a spirit-infused steadfastness, to a spirit-infused peace and a stability in the midst of it all. In the midst of it all. The test of whether Christ is enough rarely happens when life is going smooth. We know this. We're used to hearing this when it comes to faith. Faith has to hang in there when the times get tough. But I'm including peace and contentment as well. Your truest answer to your peace and joy and your contentment question may just come in your darkest moment. We just read in Philippians how satisfied and content Paul was. But do you know where Paul was when he wrote Philippians? He was in prison. At a time when his fate may have been to be released or very well could have been death. He didn't know. But Paul knew, he talked about in chapter 1, he he, he had mixed emotions. He said, look, you know... If it were up to me, I'd rather go see Christ. (laughs) I'd rather go home to be with him. But I, I believe that God has other plans for me. I know that it might be better for you if I stay and remain. But see, he was content with whatever lot. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever your lot whatever your lot. The one who is truly content in who they are in Jesus Christ is someone who, despite difficult circumstances, is strong enough with who they are and where they are in the Lord that they need no one else other than their Lord. This person does not need the acceptance or approval of any one person or group to feel peace or contentment. Oh, let me say that again. Did you miss it? I think you missed it. This person does not need the acceptance or the approval of any one person or any one group of people to feel peace and contentment. Their joy and peace and satisfaction comes from an untouchable source that lies buried deep within. Look, I'm about through, but just one more passage I want you to turn with me. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to, you know my saying, I try and bring this in for a landing. Romans chapter 8. A familiar passage, but look at this. Look at this with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. Praise the Lord. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Or look at this passage in these terms. Who or what can take, can rob, can steal our peace, our joy, our contentment? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death, not even death as Sean talked about or sang about, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know that in the love of God there is peace, there is joy, there is contentment. We can look at that and say, nothing shall separate us from the love or the peace of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can take your joy, your peace. Take your hymnals and turn to page 607. I've got to read this. One of my favorite songs. One of my favorite songs. Yeah, I know we don't use them much, but it's that little gray book that's in front of you. (laughs) They're called hymnals. Uh, uh, We ought to get back to using those sometime, shouldn't we? Page 607. Oh, what a song. Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight. Rolls a melody sweeter than psalm, and celestial like strains it unceasingly falls. O'er my soul like an infinite calm. Verse 2. Oh, I love this. This is, boy, boy, for my message. What a treasure I have in this wonderful peace. Buried deep in the heart of my soul. So secure that no power can mine it away. While the years of eternity roll. I am resting tonight in this wonderful peace. Resting sweetly in Jesus' control. For I am kept from all danger by night and by day. and His glory is flooding my soul. And I think when I rise to that city of peace. Where the author of peace I shall see, that one strain of the song which the ransom will sing in that heavenly kingdom shall be. And, O oh, my soul, are you here without comfort or rest, marching down the rough pathway of time? Make the Savior your friend when the shadows grow dark. O oh, accept this sweet peace, so sublime its peace. Peace. Wonderful. peace Sing it with me. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In Below of <laughs> I often will pray this prayer. Jesus, you are the center and the source of my contentment and joy. For I am learning that no matter what is happening to me, as long as I keep you first, Jesus, my reason for living. My source of joy will be buried so deep that nothing or no one can mine it away. Lord, I don't need anyone's acceptance or approval. All I need is You. Joyce, if you'll come up. And just start playing softly, Joyce. the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild its fallen city and rebuild the walls. And chapter 8 said that he brought the people together and for for years they, they had not heard the law. They had not heard the word of the Lord. They had not heard the law that came through Moses and said that they read, they read the law in the, in the presence of the people. And for hours, they just read the law. And it says that they just wept. Because they realized they had not heard this. They realized how far away they had been from God. Nehemiah told them, don't worry. He said. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, folks, there will be times, maybe there's someone in here this morning, you need a strength that goes beyond yourself. You need something that will pull you through whatever you might be facing right now. And many times it's just the joy, the joy of who you are, the joy of knowing what you have in Jesus Christ needs to be your strength, will pull you through. I truly believe there's probably at least one person today that you need to regain your peace of God today. Someone here today needs to rediscover where their joy and their contentment comes from. You've been relying on all the wrong sources and all the wrong places and people and things. But you have an opportunity this morning to find it again in Jesus Christ. You might remember that old cornflakes commercial. And I say like that commercial, perhaps you need to discover the peace of God again for the first time. Try it again for the first time. Allow the peace of God to flood. Maybe, you, maybe there's some disobedience in your, life, in your life and you need to reestablish the peace with God. And then when you do that, you can have the peace of God. I'm going to ask you to turn to page 433. Page 433 in your hymnals and we're going to close. Thank you for your patience. God has ministered to me through this message and has helped me greatly in this message we'll give you an opportunity. If you need that peace of God that we've been talking about this morning to where it won't rock you to the core, but you'll have a strength through your circumstances. The altars are open this morning. We would love to pray with you this morning. Let me pray with you right now. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that this is just not Brock's opinion. This is just not some feeble man's attempt at trying to move people with words. Father, no, this is your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that your peace and your contentment and your joy comes into our hearts when we make you first in our life. God, if there's someone here this morning they need to rediscover the peace of God in their life. They don't have it. God, I pray that this morning they'll come or they'll do business with you there in their pews or wherever you meet them at, God. Help them, Father. Oh, the peace of God. We're in a battle. This is war. Our enemy is coming hard against us. We need to make sure that our feet have the gospel of peace. We have peace in our hearts. That's the only way we're going to be victorious. Have the belt of truth. We've talked about that. The breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about that. Now, God, may we put on these shoes of peace. Thank you, God. Your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? This is another great song that I think applies to our message. I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. If you have something on your heart, we would love to pray with you. But let's sing. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he has made.